talk radio for inquisitive people. Solace Radio, Ponte Vista, Colorado. For you guys that were here last week, last um, Saturday evening, and we watched Fiddle on the Roof, did you notice when the Jews were being kicked out of that town, what's the first thing that they took? And who took the Torah? And the rabbi left that town in front of everybody carrying the Word of God. That is, let me tell you, when you, when you see people kissing that Torah, that is a Holocaust surviving Torah. Okay? It is authenticated. It is, uh, it cost six million Jewish people's lives. 1.5 million under the age of 10. And six million other lives. And the Word of God prevails. But it's prevailed because a people group preserved that throughout the centuries. Never, ever take the Word of God lightly. Don't get Americanized in your quote-unquote Christianity. Let it be as authentic as that Word of God is. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. The first trip I went on in Nicaragua and I was preaching there for about a week and some of the kids, they wait for years and years just to get a New Testament. And as you leave and they give it to you and you're taking their treasure, that's, that's the greatest thing they have. And if you don't take it, you'll hurt their feelings. You'll hurt their feelings, but they're giving you, that that's their most treasured possession. And they're giving it to you in honor and thanks for bringing the word to them live. And they might have to wait a long time before they get another one. And that's, that's Nicaragua. You should see what it's like in India. I guess what happens is when you have all these experiences, you know, I, I understand that some people have never had these experiences because you go to Walmart and there's the Bible, you know. But this is why I, I issue these things to you. And if I'm very emphatic and I'm very passionate about it, that's because there's no other way for me to be about it. You follow? There's, there's no other way because we, you know, it's so available, it's so readily available to us. I mean, you can go into a sleazebag hotel and find the Bible. But some people wait for it an entire lifetime. And when they get it, they caress it, then they hug it, and they cry, and they dance, and they fall to their knees. And I hope they never forget that. Hope we never forget that, for that matter. All right, we're going to read from the Torah. Yamod Yaakov bar melech haTorah Zechah bat Mordecai Baruch haTorah Come forward Leel Gabel son of Larry For the reading of the Torah Come forward Kathy Daughter of Oscar And bless the Torah Also Larry You're going to come up And read uh, I would say the English Yes From the Older Testament And Mr. Larry You're going to read From the Newer Testament I got it right? Wow So far so good Barku et Adonai Hambarak Barku Adonai Hambarit Lim Baruch Adonai Hambarak Lilam Bayed Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaAlam Asher Bakarbanu Mechal HaAmin Benatan Lenu Et Torato Baruch Ata Adonai Noten HaTorah 
Amen. Bless the Lord, the Blessed One. Blessed is the Lord, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all peoples and given us his Torah. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 19 through 20. Veta eo vekara vo kalme kalyaev malaman yomad lair et anai el lahaev leshmor el kadev re hatare azot et ka kukim hamame la osotan vilte rum lavavo mail kaev uvelti sur min hatsva Yamin Usmov Lamaan Yarek Yamim Al Mahamko Hu Bunaviv Kriv Israel. Amen. Aruka Tadanai Elohenu Melecha Alam Asher Natananu Torat Hamed. Vakaye olam natapatokevu, Baruka tadunai no tain haTorah. Amen. Blessed are you, o Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us a Torah of truth and has planted eternal life in our midst. Blessed are you, o Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 19 through 20 in English. It is to remain with him, and he is to read it in it every day, as long as he lives, so that he will learn to fear and deny his God and keep all the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them, so that he will not think he is better than his kinsmen, and so that he will not turn aside neither to the right or to the left from his mitzvah. In this way, he will prolong his own reign and that of his children in Israel. Amen. Wow. And from Acts, Shul wrote, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who before announced the coming of the righteous one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who received the Torah as it was ordained by messengers, but did not watch over it. Amen and amen. Amen. What a a politically correct guy, huh? Shal was, huh? What a nice guy. Which of your fathers did not persecute the prophets? Murderers. He would have had a hard time preaching anywhere in America today, man. He would have got the smallest offering ever. If you wouldn't mind, rise with me, please. And this is the Torah that Moses placed before the children of Israel at the command of the Lord through Moses' hand. Amen. 
Beyond Moshe. Amen. You may be seated. Relax. Do you ever wonder why sometimes I go up there, sometimes I don't go up there? The main reason is because God told me not to go up there. Sometimes He tells me to go up there. I'm trying to hear all the time. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to stand? What do you want me to wear? He told me last night, absolutely wear purple. Did he tell you guys to wear purple? Go figure. <laughs> I want to know what he wants. I want to know what he wants. And um, I think the reason why I didn't go up there is because there was a family up there. You understand? And you're the priest of your family. I don't have to be the priest of your family. Okay, but sometimes there might be a single mom up there. There might be some elderly ladies that don't have a covering and who will send me up there because I've got to be more of a shepherd towards them. Even though I'm a shepherd towards you, but it's your, you have to shepherd your flock and you do a very nice job. Um, okay, who knows George Burns? <laughs> Obviously some of you do. <laughs> he said the telltale sign of a good sermon is a, is a good beginning and a good end and very little in between <laughs> I have good news and I have bad news for you the good news is I think we have a decent beginning and a decent end but there's a little time in between um, there was a time when people loved the word of God remember Shaul preached into midnight that wasn't from 10 o'clock he would have preached from sundown so it's probably like four or five hours there are places i go like if i teach all asians they'll sit there for 10 hours not make a peep not even move not blink they love the word of god i'm not putting that on you i'm just saying a message is the message i don't time it, it could be 10 minutes it could be two hours that's god's department i don't have a i don't have a locked in time if somebody comes here to preach i don't say you have 26 minutes You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're here, if you, if you haven't been you know, with us really for a while, Parsha, we read a Parsha. Parsha is Hebrew for portion, a piece. And the Torah is broken up in about 50 pieces. So it's read all during the year. Make sure that in a year, you read the whole Torah. Why do we do that? Because it's commanded in the Torah to read the whole Torah. That's why we do it. Not because we, we, you know, put together our own thoughts on this kind of thing. Even the liturgy, Hebraic liturgy, it's all the Word of God. It's, it's just the Word of God. All our liturgy that we sung earlier is just from the Scriptures itself. Now, let's look at the section that the Gobbles read. It says, it is. Now, what's the problem with taking things out of context? First of all, you wouldn't know what it is. That's a problem right there. So if I just read these scriptures to a child, they wouldn't know what I was talking about. Hermeneutics is a really fancy word. It just means to understand the scripture, to interpret the scripture. Every seminary has schools on hermeneutics. But there are five aspects of hermeneutics that you have to have these. One, you have to take the scripture literal until you see it symbolic. So like when you see don't steal, don't, you know, don't commit adultery, it's, it, there's nothing symbolic about that. Most of the scripture is very literal. Two, scripture must prove scripture. You can't go outside scripture. Three, if there are apparent discrepancies, you must reconcile them. A guy 
Haley wrote a book on the apparent discrepancies of the Bible. It's over 900 pages. He nailed it. Uh, four, there are prophecies called near and far or the law of double reference. Like in Joel, it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. That was not fulfilled yet. In Acts, we just saw a smidgen. We're going to see the fulfillment thereof. Okay? A near and far or the law of double reference. But the fifth one is the most important. This is the one you desperately need. The other ones, you're not going to be able to um, reconcile all the uh, discrepancies. You don't have the time to do the study. You don't. You're just not going to. You're not going to be able to figure out all the symbolism. But you can look in context. So if you look at this, it says, it is to remain. What's it? But if you didn't know that, you wouldn't know that. You've got to read it in context. It is to remain with him, and he is to read it every day as long as he lives. What if you stopped there with your kid? What if you just told your kid that? Today, in most of our houses of worship, you read a verse and you talk 45 minutes. Personally, I don't want to hear you for 45 minutes on one verse. Can you give me like another verse? Can you tie it together a little bit? It's almost like, you know, it is and they close the Bible. You thank you, God, for your word. And, you know, it's going to be inspired. And now you better listen to me. I want to hear the word of God. And I want to see how it connects. It is to remain with him and he is to read it every day as long as he lives. Who's he? Again, if you just read that, you wouldn't know. It is the Torah. He is the king. But if you stop there, you would not know. It would be impossible for you to know. You have to read the entire Bible. Don't take text out of context because it becomes pretext. It's no longer true. People say no weapon formed against me. They don't know what they're talking about. That was written to Israel in a specific time in their lives. I've seen people destroy the Word of God taken out of context just just obliterate it so that he will learn so what's the point the point for him to read it every day what's the point to read the word of god not so you can stump your friend i get together with people all the time they say well you know in luke it says listen don't try to stump me okay let me know you fear the lord that's the purpose of reading the word of god the more you read it, the more incredible respect you should have for God. We throw His Word around. I don't even like to talk about Him. I don't like the kid. It just seems too haphazard. It seems like we talk about Him in habitstance. Like, you know, just kicking it around. It doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem right to me. So He will learn to fear, not be afraid of. You can't get close to something you're afraid of. You understand? If you're afraid of me, you're not going to get close to me. It's speaking about respect. Respect. My kids adore me, and they also have a high level of respect. To fear, Adonai, his God, it's personal. And keep all the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them. Got news for you. Jesus didn't change it. He didn't come to go, okay, I died for you, now do whatever you want. If that's the teaching, and that's what they're teaching you, you are under a wrong doctrine. So that he will not think he is better. This is the problem with kings. They think they're better than everybody else. Sometimes people in leadership think they're better than everybody else. I can honestly tell you, I don't think I'm better than anybody here. I can honestly tell you I don't feel any better. In fact, I feel a lot worse. I feel like I have more responsibility and more to answer for. It's weighty. 
I don't feel like this is cool. I don't feel it at all. No way. Not even cl- I'm being perfectly and utterly and deeply honest with you. I don't think that way at all. Nope. And so that he will not turn aside either to the right or to the left. From the commandments. In this way, he will prolong his own reign. You ever read Kings? Some of the reigns were quite short. Not impressive. Every king in Israel. And only a few kings in Judah. Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Josiah, Joash. Other than that. And that of his children. Look at how beautiful that is. You know who his children are? You. See, that's what leaders forgot. See, back then, man, David's heart was for the people. He messed up, but it was for the people. He loved the people. Even when he was old, man, when he couldn't fight, he wanted to go to the front lines. He said, there is no way my people are going to fight on my behalf, and I'm going to sit in this palace. People want to see a leader who's leading and doing, not who's just talking. Let's put it in context real quick. When you have entered the land, see, what's going on in Deuteronomy? It's real simple. In Genesis, God created, called out Abraham, gave them the promised land promise. Exodus, they were delivered so they could see how mighty their God was, so they could have faith. Then they got the laws in Leviticus because, you know, you got, there's laws everywhere. Aren't there laws everywhere in society? You got laws in your house. You got laws in your household. It's okay. It's a basic pillar of society. Without laws, where would we be? What's an unlawful society? You're seeing, you're seeing governments get pulled out. You're seeing people just kill each other. Because it's total chaos, man. Laws are good. They're good. Their purposes are for good purposes. To keep us in line and keep us from getting hurt. We tell our kids, look both ways before you cross the street. That's a law. Why are we telling them that? If you're in the medical profession, you tell your patients certain things to live by, to promote good health. Those are laws. Those are natural laws. And they're good. How much more God's laws? How could you say the Father loves you, but He gave you laws that would hurt you? What are you thinking? Now, numbers... They were trekking along, they went into the land, and they got nervous, and God said, now you're going to be scattered, and you're going to walk in the wilderness for a while. You don't deserve to go in the land. You didn't trust me. Now they're on the cusp, they're ready to go in. And Moses is reminding them of their history, and also their vows, and also the ways of God. So that when they go into the land, they could be protected from the enemy. When you have taken possession of the land and are living there. He's already prophesying. It's not like it's not going to happen. He already said so back in Genesis 12. This is now like 1250 B.C. He said it back in 2000 B.C. He said it 750 years ago, man. It's a done deal. And you say, I want to have a king over me. 
like all the other nations around me. You want to read more about that? Check 1 Samuel 8 and 9. Go home and read it and you'll see what happened. In that event, you must appoint as king the one whom the Lord your God will choose. How many times? Forgive me, guys. But I met elders that have no business being elders. They haven't missed a meal in 10 years. Fasting and praying, crying out on behalf of the people. Big shots, businessmen. They're connected to politicians. Who gives a hoot? I want somebody who's connected to God. He must be one of your kinsmen. Not a foreigner. They'll wreck it. This king you appoint over you, you are forbidden to appoint a foreigner over you who is not your kinsman. However, he is not to acquire. Look what the kings aren't supposed to acquire. Remember the prosperity preaching? It's exactly what they're supposed to acquire. When I heard the prosperity preaching, it didn't line up with the word of God. It didn't make sense to me. It just went in one ear and out the other. Then I kept hearing it and all I heard was Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. He's not to acquire many horses for himself or have the people return to Egypt. If God wants to bless you with some material wealth, let him do it. Don't you go after it. He is not to acquire many horses for himself or have the people return to Egypt to obtain more horses. Inasmuch as Adonai told you never to go back. Come on. That's a me- I could teach on that forever. Stop looking back. Who puts their hand to the plow and plows like this? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's a done. It's done. It's history. It's over. There's nothing you can do about it. Live in the moment. You keep looking to the future, living in the past, looking in the future, living in the past. You miss the moment. This is the moment right now. And some of you are missing it. You got plans after synagogue, you're already there. The chips and salsa will wait. <laughs> They're worried about Yeshua. We got, you got to get fed, you haven't eaten all day. He said, my food is to do the will of my father. Likewise, he's not to acquire many wives for himself. Let me tell you something. I could just about deal with one. I don't know why he'd want to acquire more anyway. (laughs) Men are laughing. Women are having a hard time. Some men are laughing next to the woman who's going to have a hard time when they leave. (laughs) So that his heart will not turn away. I'll get into it. There's exclamations. And he is not to acquire excessive quantities of silver and gold. That didn't mean that was for everybody. When he has come to occupy the throne, be careful with this all or nothing principles that some of you do. It's like all wealth or just poverty. It's like you're all over the place. Why don't you just let God be God? Let him do what he wants to do in your life. You walk in his ways and let him do his thing. Okay? When he occupies the throne, he is to write a copy of this Torah. Listen to what Moses is telling him. This is God telling him. Write a copy for himself in a scroll from one the Kohanim and the Levimus. In other words, don't let King James write it. You make sure that the pre... You know what? There's a difference between Kohanim and Levites. You know that, right? 
They're both priests. One means light bearer, one means joined to. They were both servants, though. Both servants. Do a study, you'll find out more on that. I don't have the time to tell you that, but do a study. It is to remain with him, and he is to read it ever. He's to read it how often? Come on. Just, just grab a verse, man. Some of you haven't read the Bible in two weeks. But you're close to God, right? But you read the stupid internet and the dopey ministry junk that you get from people that you don't even know if it's legit. But the Bible you know is legit. I got to get up more three in the morning. I got to get up three in the morning. It is to remain with him. He is to read every day as long as he lives. So that he will learn to fear. I don't know. Now we see it. And keep all the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them so that he will not think he is better. In this way he will prolong his own reign and that of his children, Israel. You know it's been said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. There's a lot of types and shadows. There's a lot of truth to that. My personal love is to read the Torah and see Yeshua in it. That's my personal love. And I'm just going to tell you, the reason why I'm so excited is because this particular Torah Pasha, Deuteronomy 17, 18, 19, and 20, in its context is probably the most important revelation of Messiah in the whole book of Deuteronomy, bar none. So when I see that, when I first saw it the other day, I got very excited. So I'm so excited... And I can't deny it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. Um, <sighs> hey, we're family, you know, we're family. You know what I mean? This is a place that you'll laugh and you'll cry and you'll be laughing and then you'll be crying and then you'll be laughing and then you'll be crying and that's good. That's good. Okay, you're going to see, I think you're going to see in, in these next few verses, you're going to see where Yeshua is prophet, where he is priest, and most importantly, where he's king. Most important. So we're going to go in that order from least important to most important. Deuteronomy 18, 15, 20. And by the way, the Bible goes in this order, goes in order of importance. Adonai will raise up for you a prophet. Moses is speaking like me. Who's me? Moses. Moses is speaking to the people. So if you were speaking and you said, like me, it would be like you. But you're not speaking. Mo is speaking, so it's like him. Like me from among yourselves. This is, a very, this is one of the 333 messianic prophecies in the Older Testament. Yeah, Yeshua had 333 predictions that he would have to fulfill. Don't even get into the laws of probability on it. It's off the chain. Eight of them is one to the 10 to the 17th power. It's, it's off the chain. There will be a prophet, he says, a prophet is coming, like me, from among yourselves, your own kinsmen. Meaning he's going to be a Jew. You ought to pay attention to him. Just as when you were assembled at Horav, another word for Sinai, where they got the commandments, and requested, I don't know your God. Remember, don't let me hear the voice of I don't know my God anymore. They were, they were freaked out. Oh, let me see the great fire of again. If I do, I will die. So they need a mediator. On that occasion... Adonai said to me, they are right in what they are saying. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses. This is very powerful. From among their kinsmen, I will put my words in his mouth. By the way, that's, that's what a prophet does. Some of you prophesy, and I got to tell you, I, I just thank God God is merciful. 
Listen to me. Don't take this lightly. Listen to me. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I order him. The reason why you get a hundred verses of scripture is we're safe with God's word. You're not necessarily safe with mine, but you're safe with God's. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord, when you're prophesying, by the way. If it's the Lord's words, we'll know. Whoever doesn't listen to his words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. See, a prophet, they, they don't glorify themselves like today. Today, people want to be called prophet. I've been to places where I get introduced. This is, this is our prophet? Really? Really? It's a prophet? Wow. Wow. Prophesy. Oh, you are going to have a great ministry. Really? Thank you. When Amos came to prophesy to the king of Israel, do you remember how that went down? Sorry for going on the bunny trail, but he came in. He prophesied the king of Israel. The king's servant says, who do you think you are? He said, nobody. I just take care of sycamore trees down in Judah. And I just got a couple of sheep. Really? Where do you think you're going? Back to Judah. The fig trees need me. That's it. That's it, man. God told me to come here and give you the message. I got to go. No fanfare. Ain't that neat? Look what it says. It, and you can keep going. I didn't, I didn't keep going, but if you want to read more, go into verse 21, 22, 23, 24. It gets really interesting. But if a prophet presumptuously speaks a word in my name, which I didn't order him to say, or if he speaks in the name of other gods, then that prophet must die. Hoo-wee. So you want to prophesy. Let's look at Isaiah. Uh, go, go back, go back, go back. Good, 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 good! Look at this. Here is Yochanan. Yochanan, John's testimony, his report. That testimony is a, a, a very fancy word for report. Okay? When the Judeans sent, they sent Kohanim, Aaronic priests, and Levim, Levites, from Jerusalem. So they went up, the boys, those were the boys. You know what I mean? You know how ministries have like the headquarters and the boys hang out there? They don't do a lot, but they hang out there. When they fly, they always fly first class. The boys are in Jerusalem, you know? Karnim and Levi, and they hear this guy's up there. Some nut eating locusts and honey with a camel hair jacket, thinking he's Elijah. And we heard he's really crazy. You know why? You can't buy him. He won't bend to people's wishes. He's nuts. He seems like a total freak for God. We got to take him out. So they send the boys up there. Who are you? He was very straightforward. (laughs) No kidding. Why should you dance around the issue? Stop trying to give people a pill that's easy for them to swallow. They're dying for a lack of nutrition. He said... I'm not the Messiah. They were waiting on the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. Then who are you? If you're not the only the Messiah would do that. Why? Because it says in Psalm 69:9, he'd have zeal for his father's house and many other scriptures that I can't get into right now. But he'd be zealous. Yes, Yeshua was zealous. He wasn't a welcome mat. He was intense. 
And he was passionate. And he was zealous. I'm not the Messiah. Then who are you? They asked him, are you Eliyahu? Are you Elijah? No, I am not. Are you a prophet? Does it say a prophet? Look at the words. Look, the prophet. Why? Because they knew the Torah. What? Because just for the record, John wasn't written yet. It was written years after this conversation. They didn't have the New Testament, buckaroo. That's like, you know, that's like an incredible, that's like an incredible revelation to some people. They think like as they were, you know, as they were, as they were doing it, they were writing it down. Saying, here, here's John 119, read it. They didn't have it for years. They didn't need it. You don't need the New Testament. You have to have the New... No! You know who Yeshua is based on the Old Testament prophecies. If He doesn't fulfill them, He can't be Messiah. I once convinced a nice Catholic woman that Jesus was not Catholic. And after three hours, she finally bent. And as she's leaving, she goes, but His mother was Catholic, right? And there you have it. No, I'm not. The prophet, the one, not just a prophet, you got to read it. Now, if you didn't know that, if you didn't know that in Deuteronomy 18.15, that would make no sense to you. You, wouldn't even, you think it makes sense, but it wouldn't, so you just read through it. It means nothing. The one we're expecting. What one we're expecting? What, what are they talking about? See what we miss. They were waiting on the prophet. John 6, 14, it says, When the people saw the miracles he performed, they said, This has to be the prophet. Look, it's all over the, it's all over the Gospels. John 7, 4, on hearing his words, some people in the crowd said, Surely this man is the prophet. Okay. Yeshua had to occupy the office of prophet. He could not speak on his own accord. What did he say? I don't speak on my own. Only what the Father tells me. He was the prophet. The prophet. Next, Yeshua has to be a priest has to be a priest. Look what it says. If a case comes before you at your city gate... Any attorneys here today? Good. If a case comes before you at your city gate, which is too difficult for you to judge concerning bloodshed, civil suit, personal injury. Can you imagine? We should have this personally. Not, not... Listen. I understand that people need... They need some support when they don't understand the laws themselves, especially how convoluted they are. We need professionals. We need professionals, but it's out of control. Our court system is totally, totally abominable at this point. It's an abomination. It's an abomination. And people are making deals left and right. Deals left and right. A pedophile gives up a drug dealer. The guy's raped 50 kids and he's out on the streets because he gives up a drug dealer. You know what I say? Put them both in jail. Personal injury, any other controversial issue, you ought to get up, go to the place which I don't know your God will choose and appear before the Kohanim. Wow, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if we had priests in the court? Legit priests? Who are Levim, Levites, and the judge in office at the time. Seek their opinion, they will render a verdict for you. The priestly occupation that Yeshua had to fulfill, he had to be a priest judge a priest teacher and a priest warrior. I'll show you. Isaiah 11, 3 through 4, it says, He will be inspired. He, Messiah. If you read in context from 11, 1, you'll see. 
a shoot from Jesse, a branch. He will be inspired by fearing Adonai. That's where Yeshua got his inspiration from. He wasn't, see, we think he was doing it for the love of the people. No, no, yes, but no, yes, but no. Primarily, he was doing it for the love of his father. And that's why in him, we have the greatest role model of how sonship should look. He is our example. He's our template. He would be inspired. See, if you're a believer, you should be inspired first. Your inspiration should come from because you're crazy about the Father. Now, if you're crazy about the Father, of course you're going to love people. But see, some of us, we do it to show people that we're good without checking with Daddy. He will be inspired by fearing Adonai. He will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. So many of you hear stuff and you go with it. I've watched it for nine years. You hear something and you just believe it. Why? Why most of the time they're lying? Because they're not being objective. They're being subjective. And anytime there's subjectivity, it's not perfect truth. Do your homework. Discern. And understand. Thank God for Yeshua. See, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks just as long as he knows the truth. That's what keeps you going. The whole world could come against you. The whole body of believers coming against you. They did it all the time. They did it all the time. But he will judge the impoverished justly. Today, if you've got money and power, you get the verdict. You know you do. You can hire the right attorney, the big shot, who's connected with the judges. What do you think? When, when, when they're teeing off, they don't talk? Well, let's, let's not talk about the case. What, what do you need, Dave? What do you need? All right, we'll take care of it, man. What do you think lobbyists? You know what they make? Millions of dollars. Because if you can produce wealth, you're going to get paid wealth. You know how much is going on behind closed doors, man? Woo! Let me tell you something. If you ever think that, first of all, I don't know what you're given, but if you ever think you're going to give a big offering and then you're going to get special attention, this is the wrong place. It ain't going to happen. I had a guy once ask me while we were building the building. I met him on the street. He said, what would you do for $50,000? I said, we don't need it. I know he was trying to give it, but he wanted certain things. We don't need your money, buddy. You're not going to pull any strings here. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. 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 Ain't going to happen. He will decide fairly. Justice and righteousness are the foundations of his throne. He's fair and he's right. Look, I don't care if Obama's, I don't care Clinton, Carter, I don't, I don't care who's in there. It's never going to be a White House till Yeshua gets in there. He will strike the lamb with a rod from his mouth and slay the wicked with a breath from his lips. I can't do a thing, he says in John, on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is right because I don't seek my own desire. Woo! Wow! But the desire of the one who sent me. Man, he was so obedient to the Father. Unbelievable, man. It was all about pleasing Daddy. All about pleasing Daddy. So there you see the priest judge. 
Now we're going to see in Deuteronomy 17, 11, still in the same Torah portion. Look at that. We're only going over a few verses. Can you imagine if you did all hundred of them? There's gold in them hills, man. You just got to dig. In accordance with the Torah, they teach you. You are to carry out the judgment. It has to be a teacher. Look at Mark 6, 34. When Yeshua came ashore, he saw a huge crowd filled with compassion for them because they were sheep without a shepherd. Shepherds teach. They teach more than they preach. They teach because sheep need to know the truth. He began teaching. John 7. Not until the festival is half over. The festival of... Read in context, you'll see. Did Yeshua go up to the temple? Listen. They let him in the temple courts. He was a legit rabbi in their circles. They got mad towards the end, but he was a legit rabbi. Look at um, the original Nick at night. Look, there was a man among the perishim. Pharisees. Pharisees are separated one. They're not ugly. They're separate ones. They try very hard to be obedient. Namely, Nachthimon. Why is it Nachthimon and not Nicodemus? Because a Jew in Jerusalem would not be named a Greek name. It was changed. Nachthimon means innocent blood. And if you grab what that means. Who was the ruler? He was the ruler. He was the teacher of teachers. This man came to Yeshua by night and said to him, Rabbi. See? Nachthimon a.k.a. Nicodemus calls him rabbi. We know it is from God that you have come as a... Sure. He had to fulfill that prophecy. And Isaiah 2.3, many peoples will go and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways. That's yet in the future. You understand? That's a prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled. When will it be fulfilled, guys? When Yeshua steps down, cleans house, establishes his throne forever... For a thousand years, whether that's literal or figurative, I think it's literal, but it doesn't matter. He's going to do what? Teach us His ways. Why? Because we just didn't get it the first go-around. Stay tuned to Solace Radio. In 2007, Solace Radio began broadcasting the word of Adonai, God, to the world. Through times of trouble and times of blessing, to many, we became their rock and which they could build their faith in Jesus or Yeshua, plus learn the lessons and wisdoms held in the Bible or the Torah, learning life's lessons for peace, joy, all in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the Brit Hadashah. To many, we are the rock on which you stand, building your faith in Jesus and Yeshua. Salus Radio has never charged our listeners or teacher for listening or broadcasting the Word of God. All of our programming and airtime are given free of charge. No sign-up fees, no memberships, no fees at all. But we do need your help today to keep reaching the world. Our fall-winter fund drive has begun in earnest. Solace Radio's goal is $3,000. For 15 years, Solace Radio has broadcast the Word of God to the world, never thinking of ourselves and never taking a salary, just putting it all in the hands of God. Your donations and support will allow us to keep broadcasting for another year. Without your support, we may face difficult decisions in the future. Solace Radio is not a 501c3. We believe for that reason... All support and donations truly come from the heart. Your support can be in any amount. Of the 195 countries in the world, Solace Radio has reached 135 of them. 
To donate, you can simply go to www.solaceradio.org forward slash giving. May God Adonai move your heart to support Solace Radio today so we may continue the ministry to the world. Once again, visit www.solaceradio.org forward slash giving. Your support is greatly appreciated. Shalom and thank you. Then what happens after the thousand years? Pop and circumstance, we graduate. And the new heavens and the new earth come. Satan's done and we live happily ever after. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. They get so caught up with all the details. They get so nuts. Okay, last but not least, Yeshua had to be the priest judge, the priest teacher. And I like this one, the priest warrior. Look at Deuteronomy 20. you got to love this. When you go out to fight your enemies and see horses, chariots, and a force larger than yours, you are not to be afraid of them. Because I don't know your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt is with you. He's reminding them. Hey, remember that whole deliverance thing, man? Remember? You know, with the chariots and, and the mountains and the... Remember? See, for us, that's 3,400 years ago. But for them, they were there. When you're about to go into battle, the Kohen is to come forward and address the people. I love this. I was laughing hysterically when I read this yesterday. He should tell them, listen, Israel. This is the Kohen, the head priest. You are about to do battle against your enemies. Don't be faint-hearted or afraid. Don't be alarmed or frightened by them. And then he walks, where are you going, priest? I'm going back to the temple. You go fight. <laughs> I have holy things to do. <laughs> no, no, they went out. They went out. They went out. They went out singing. They went out singing in front of the people. I'm only kidding. I just thought I'd make it funny because sometimes I like to laugh. Okay, the Lord your God is going with you. That's Yeshua's famous last words. I will be with you. That's all you need to believe. You got me? I will be with you. And he'll fight on your behalf against your enemies and give you victory. Look, Revelation 3, 21, you know, the Laodicean church. Laodicean, by the way, I should teach on that one day, but that's a word that's now in our dictionary. It just means half-hearted. People use it in business now. Guy's Laodicean. He's not getting a promotion. I will let him who wins the victory sit with me on my throne, just as I myself also won the... One. Not will win. Past tense. Act like a winner. He won the victory. Remember? Now you do. He's just going to finish them off here. I figured I'd throw Revelation 19 for those who are waiting patiently for this. Next I saw heaven opened, and there before me was a white horse. Not a little donkey. This isn't the Christmas version. Sitting on it was the one called Faithful. Faithful. Forever faithful and true. No forked tongue. And it is in righteousness, in rightness, that he passes judgment and goes into battle. He has the right because he is right. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and on his head were many royal crowns, not one of thorns. And he had a name written which no one knew but himself. There's always somebody I meet that knows the name, which I love. Which I love, because I show them this and they go, well, I'm... Uh, 
Alright, keep going. He was wearing a robe. Now, some people think they know the name. Let's say you do. So what? So what? What do you want to do? You want to share the gospel more now? You want to be more faithful? You want to finally give all that money that you don't? Just for the record, when he said there's towers back there, I know that some of you come in like after the worship and after the offering. You might want to contribute to the ministry every now and then. You might just want to, you know, because when I go to a restaurant, I usually get a bill. We don't give bills, but we're trying to feed people. We're trying to feed people. Yes, God did build this wonderful place. We're not harping on you. We're not saying you've got to give. It's paid for. You just come and enjoy it. And we can't force you, nor would I want to. I would never want to. But man, I'd never come before the Lord empty-handed. Never. He was wearing a robe that had been soaked in blood. That doesn't look pretty, huh? Could you imagine? Dad's coming home. He's got fire in his eyes, sword in his mouth, and he's got a white robe and it's full of blood. You think kids are going to go, goody! <laughs> People forget this part of him. I don't know why. It's, if you leave this out, you're leaving out a very, very important part of the gospel. The armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Wow, you, listen man, this is, <laughs> man, he's coming with the army of heaven, man. Let me tell you something. You know, an angel shows up or a theophany shows up, people are struck dead. Yeah, this is better than the cavalry. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down, na- not people, nations. He will rule them with a staff of iron. Look, I don't want you to misunderstand something. It's not that I'm excited for him to strike down nations. That's why I go to nations to preach the gospel. But there's a road that's wide that leads to destruction and many will find it. It is he who treads the winepress. You know what that means? That's basic Hebrew idiomatic expressions for he's going to just crush the enemy. Which flows the wine of the furious rage of Adonai, God of heaven's armies. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah. He's a priest, but he's a warrior priest. And frankly, when the enemy comes after me, I need a warrior priest. That's what I need. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, so we got Yeshua as a prophet. We got Yeshua as a priest. Right? What are we missing? Yeah, we saved the best for last. You ready? Stomach growling? Deuteronomy 17, 14. When you have entered the land, by the way, if you have to go because you have an important appointment, or you have to go because you don't have an important appointment, or you have to go because you feel like going, you can go. I got to stay. Not because I have to stay, because I want to. When you have entered the land, I don't know what your God is giving you. But there's no, don't think if you leave now that people are going to be like, that's crazy. That, it does not happen here. We, we are not going to talk about you as you leave. Once you get out of the parking lot, we'll talk about you. <laughs> We're Christians, remember? When you have entered the land, I don't know what your God is giving you. And have taken possession of it and are living there, you may say... I want to have a king over me. Now, you have to know the Torah never commanded Israel to have a king. In fact, when you go home and you read 1 Samuel 8, because I know that's what you're going to do as soon as you go home, right? Right. But if you did, you'd find out that it broke God's heart. 
They had a king. I have a king. Genesis 49, though, somebody will say to me, I know somebody will say, but he commanded that there be kings, right? I know, I know, I know. You want to be a theologian. So I put that there to make sure you understand what it says so you don't misunderstand. Judah, your brothers will acknowledge you. Your hand will be on their neck of the enemies. Your father's sons will bow down before you. The scepter will not pass from Judah. That means there's a king that's coming from the tribe of Judah. Yeshua was from the tribe of? Had to be. Sure. Nor the ruler's staff from between his legs until he comes to whom obedience belongs. The word in most of your text is Shiloh. Shiloh means the one to the reign of peace rightfully belongs. There is only one to whom the reign of peace rightfully belongs, and that is Messiah. Whether you believe it's Yeshua or not is your business, but Messiah refers to Messiah, okay? Only Messiah holds that. Deuteronomy 17, 15. In that event, you must appoint this king, the one whom I don't know your God will choose. He must be one of your own kinsmen. You got to wait on the Lord for his choosing. You know when you have these search committees and everybody's looking for their own pastor? I went to a church recently and I was preaching there and this search committee came up to me and I'll be honest with you, sometimes the Lord will just discern, he don't need to be on it. He definitely don't need to be on it. But sometimes they're just movers and shakers and it's their own opinion. It's what they want. So they said, Rabbi, we've been, we've been looking now for six months. We've been looking. I said, where are you looking? Resumes? Calling people? Why don't you get on your hands and knees and cry out and skip a few meals and say, God, who do you want? Because it just might be somebody you don't want. Only God is to pick it. Look at Isaiah 9. For us, a child is born, a son is given. Why child, why son? First and second advent. First he comes as a baby in the manger, then he comes on the white horse. Dominion will rest on his shoulders. He has full authority. He'll be given the name Pele Ye'etz, El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom. A wonder of a counselor. Fully discerning. Mighty God. Father of eternity from beyond. Prince of all peace. In order to extend the dominion and perpetuate the peace of the throne and the kingdom of David. To secure it and sustain it through justice, fairness, and rightness. Henceforth, now, and forever. How is that going to happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. He's picking the king. He's picking Messiah, not you. People tell me, all that. well, I don't believe. I don't care. God already picked him. Deuteronomy 17, 16 through 17. Listen, this is, not, this is not teaching for the lost. You're supposed to go out and find the lost. I don't need you to bring a bunch of lost people here and say, Rabbi, preach to them. You preach to them. That's what I did all week. This is to encourage you, strengthen you, get you strong so you can go out in the power of the Holy Spirit to confound the works of the enemy. So many times people bring lost souls, lost souls in the church, and the people that are saved are dying. They haven't grown in years. they got to go home and do their own studies. He is not to acquire horses, a lot of wives, 
or silver and gold. You know what that's about? See, if he has a lot of horses, then when he goes to battle, why is he winning? His strength, right? See? God don't like that. What? He wants us to be weak? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. 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 And why Why the not so many wives? One, because you lose your mind. But besides that, besides that, a king doesn't marry just peasants. A king marries princesses, and princesses are daughters of kings. And when you marry daughters of kings, you make foreign alliances, and you start serving their gods. Just ask Solomon. Solomon nailed all three of these, by the way. And silver or gold? Wealth. I teach guys that I've raised up in ministry, watch out for the three G's. Gold, girls, and glory. Every minister falls because of one of them. One of them will get you. And girls, don't give yourself too much credit because you've got three G's too. Gold, glory, and guys. He has to trust in God alone. A leader has to trust in God alone. But a branch will emerge from the trunk of Ishai, Jesse, a shoot, shoot, Natset. The root word, Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. You know the difference? Anyone? Come on, we're just teaching. We're just hanging out. Nobody will ever answer, right? <laughs> Wisdom is discerning the difference between the holy and the profane. Understanding is the ability how to apply it. What's the good of understanding it if you can't apply it? What's the good of X's and O's? You know what Dr. King said Sunday? You're in the locker room. But Monday to Saturday, you're on the field playing. There's a locker room. You gotta go out there and play. It's fun to play. It really is. I don't like to watch. I like to play. The spirit of counsel and power. The spirit of knowledge and, most important, fearing the Lord. Justice will be the belt around his waist, faithfulness the sash around his hips. It's all over the Psalms. Justice and faithfulness, the foundations of his throne. Okay, next, the king must make a scroll for himself of the Torah. Now, Torah, Torah we all know to be Genesis to Deuteronomy, but that's not true. Torah means teaching. And it comes from a word, yara, which means to hit the mark. So when you sin, you miss the mark. See? You hit the mark when you obey God. So Torah, that's why in our Torah case, in our ark, our own, HaKodesh, the holy ark, we have the complete Jewish Bible because I think there's a lot of teaching. But the Torah is very, very foundational. Yeshua said, this is first century rabbinic augmentation. He said, don't think I've come to abolish the Torah. You can't dance around that, guys. Jesus Christ is saying in Matthew 5, in the middle of his sermon, he only had one sermon from 5 to 7. All the rest were teachings, little parables. One sermon, he said, I did not come to do away with the laws of my father. For if I did, then we cannot be one. What do, you, what do you think? Oh, he's getting old. You know, that, that stealing stuff and that lying stuff. Eh, ah. 
Come on, you're in the 21st century. Be free! No. No way. No way. <laughs> it's crazy. When I hear people say that, I think they lost their minds. He nailed the law to the cross. He nailed your sins to the cross. Check the Bible. 1 John 4, 3. That is New Testament written by the disciple that Jesus loved. He said, sin is lawlessness. Sin equals lawlessness. So righteousness would equal lawfulness. Dude, don't speak with a forked tongue. You don't mean what you say. You would never tell anybody not to obey the Ten Commandments. Then why do you tell them Jesus nailed them? The Ten Commandments are alive and well. What he nails is our shortcomings, praise God. Obedient above all else. Obedient above all else. Last but not least, Deuteronomy 17, 20. He will not think he is better than his kinsmen. What did Yeshua say? He said, I empty myself out from my position. I consider others greater than myself. Oh, man. So selfless. Unbelievable. I love him. I just love him. I love him because I try to know him. You understand? It's not his teachings. It's his character that I love. I love him. He knew when to say, get out of my father's house. I'll smack him in the back of the head. Get out of his house. You desecrate this house, I'll chase you out. You try to hurt one of the kids, I will chase you out. Like a lion. But there are times where somebody says something, I just... God says, let him have their time. I'll fight your battles, kid. I want to know the timing. That's what I mess up on sometimes. I want to know the timing, you know? Timing is so... He is so essential. Look what it says in Luke. He will be great. He will be called son of Ha'el-Yon, the most high God. And God will give him the throne of his forefather David. Comes from that line. And he will rule the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end. Endless dominion. Endless dominion. Hang on a second. Don't go anywhere. Uh, just relax. Oh, okay. Ah, just had to pop something. I bet you ain't going to see that tomorrow morning. Okay, here's the good news. I want you to leave on a very, very good note because I believe the Father wants you to leave on a good note. This is beautiful. If you haven't listened to nothing else, hear this okay Yeshua is also our refuge look at Deuteronomy 19 when I don't know your God cuts off the nations whose land I don't know your God is giving you and you take their place and settle in their cities and houses you ought to set aside three cities for yourself and your land they're called the cities of refuge in the Torah divide the territory of your land which I don't know your God is having you inherit into three parts and prepare the road so that any killer can flee why what if it was by accident you know even when you kill somebody by accident Usually somebody's pretty angry. So they're able to run to these cities till there's a judgment. That's where they're protected. I'm here to tell you I believe Yeshua is our cities of refuge. And I'll, I'll show you where. First John. If we claim not to have sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do you notice that this says if we claim to not have sin... That's the present, not the past. 
please don't miss this. Some of you are too holy for your own good. If we claim not to have sin, have, not if we claim not to have had, have sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Self-deception, it's the worst. It's worse than being deceived. Listen, for the most part, the body of believers are self-deceived. The enemy can go on vacation. He can be in Disney. In fact, I think sometimes he is, but that's another, that's another point. If we acknowledge our sins, if we acknowledge present tense, then since he is trustworthy and just, he will forgive them and purify us from all wrongdoings. Do you notice that John says if we claim not to have present, we, isn't that beautiful? He puts himself with us. The best disciple there was. See that? Isn't that beautiful? If we claim not to, if we claim, we are. Isn't that nice how he includes himself? He's not better than anybody else? That's wild, huh? Now, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we claim we have not been sinning, Do you notice it says, if we do not have sin, and then he says sinning. Sin and sinning is totally different. Sinning are the evil acts that we do. Sin is our corrupt nature. Our sin is worse than our sins. Yeah. See, we focus on our sins as opposed to our corrupt nature. It's corrupt. It's putrid. It's freaking disgusting. Because we get in our little little modes and we get mad at God. And if God wasn't merciful, He should strike us dead. I know my kids, that'd be the day they raise their voice to me or raise their voice to their mother. I don't care how old I am, I'm going to take them out right where they are. No way. Some things are just not right. It doesn't work. Not in our house. It didn't work in my father's house. He worked hard. Uneducated and worked hard to take care of us. Was he father knows best? No. But he did the best he knew. And it's appropriate and proper to show respect. We get in those modes. We go, God, if you do, I'm so mad at you. I just want you to know. He knows. He hears it in your heart. You don't have to say anything. He knows. And he's so wonderfully merciful. More merciful than you and I could ever be. We would never keep our friendships with people if they treated us the way we treat God sometimes. It's our sin, not our sins. We focus on our sins and we underestimate our sin nature and overestimate our own purity and holiness. One time we say we're sorry, that's called judicial forgiveness. That's for salvation. But continually we have to say our sorry because that's parental forgiveness. That's the maintained fellowship. You read the first verses in context and you'll see where John is saying we have fellowship with the Father and with each other. You can be disfellowed right now. And you wouldn't even know it, some of you. 
absolutely saved, but disfellowed at the same time. Not hearing from God. Not connected at all. You hear what I'm saying? You sure? I'm not trying to get on you. I've been there, man. I've been there. I've been in the midst of so busy taking care of everything. Every little thing that goes on here. And I can't even go forward. Because I've got to put out all the fires and I want to start fires. And this whole week was putting out fires and I was hating it. Because I want to start fires. And I'm jealous of Samuel. I'm jealous. That's what I want to do. Now this is very important. This connects. This, this next verse is the second chapter. John didn't go, okay, now chapter 2. This just connects, okay? I'll lighten up. They're my best friends. My children. You read it? It's beautiful. Not my servants. Not my slaves. Not my believers. My children. I am writing you these things so that you won't sin. But if anyone does, doesn't say when anyone does, you shouldn't attack your day with your sin nature. Well, I'm just going to sin, so so let's get it out right now. Sorry. Sorry for all the things I'm going to do today. And fathers, I lie up and down today. Just bless me and make sure I don't get caught. But if anyone does sin, I want you not to. But if you do, we have Yeshua the Messiah, the Tzaddik, the righteous one, the righteous one. Nobody else. The mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, who pleads our cause with the Father. Listen, please don't miss that. Please. You missed it, right? Come on, tell me. With the Father, sin breaks fellowship, not relationship. Do you understand that? My kids could do something wrong, and I might hate what they do or dislike what they do, but I am their Father, and they will never change that. Do you understand? I teach that to them all the time. Just like I do things that my father might detest or might be upset with. Oh, well, I wish you didn't say that, son. But he is my father and you know the devil can change that. You follow? But you don't want to be disfellowed. Look what happened to that poor prodigal son. And there's such a price to pay. It's not that you're kicked out of the kingdom, but there's such a price to pay. 22 years I'm in ministry and I've watched it. I've watched people pay a price they didn't need to pay. Get cursed. Families just torn apart, man. Unnecessarily. 
but you'll always be with the Father. Do you understand that? Don't let anybody rock you about your salvation. None of us are perfect. Now, I'm just curious. If you'd all just close your eyes for a moment. That means close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes means close your eyes. Because I don't want anybody to see. Is there anybody or buddies here that really struggles with forgiving themselves? Just raise your hand. Raise it high. Okay, now since there's so many, I want you to stand. And I want to pray over you. Because this is, um, it is, is very, it's one of the biggest problems we have in the true body of believers. We beat ourselves up and beat ourselves up. I did this for, for years. For years. I could do like a thousand good things and then I do one little thing. Am I talking to anybody? And the enemy is able to rewind and play it in my head. Rewind and play it. This went on for years. I'll tell you. I finally learned how to get past it, you know. By the grace of God, I really did. I learned how to say I'm sorry really well and believe that God forgives me. I believe it. Nobody can. It's hard to make somebody believe it. But once you believe it, nobody could take it away from you. And listen to me. You won't be haphazard. It's not like you go, okay, so I got legitimate forgiveness, so now I'm going to sin more. You'll do it less. Because when a kid is afraid that he's going to drop something, and he's going to the table and he's shaking it, you know what happens? He's going to drop it. Because he's so afraid. Twelve years ago, I did something to my son. Very minor. Very minor. I just embarrassed him in a playground. But not even big. It was very small. But for me, I said I'd never embarrass my kid. Because I knew how terrible it is to be embarrassed when I was young. And I felt terrible. I felt terrible. And we went to a supermarket and I just didn't feel qualified to be his father anymore. I felt so terrible. Even though day and night, night and day, I was living with him and raising him and doing my best. And I said... um. I said, I'm so sorry, son. I embarrassed you. And he said, what are you talking about, Dad? Five. And I said, just at at the park. We were just at the park, son. And I said this in front of a few kids, and I embarrassed you. And I promised myself I wouldn't. I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible father. And he said, what are you talking about, Dad? At this point, I got frustrated. I said, we were just at the park. You know what happened. He said, Dad, you told me that when I say I'm sorry to God... He wipes it clean. So I don't know what you're talking about. It took me another five years to get it. But then I finally got it. And now I have it. And I want you to have it. It says, My children, I'm writing you these things so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, the prosecutor that we have, Satan, he's beyond a state attorney. He's beyond a U.S. attorney. Far beyond He's the prosecutor of the universe. And nobody prosecutes better than him. Nobody. Nobody. But we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney who has an ironclad 
an ironclad way to get us off. Not only that, but this advocate that we have happens to be the son of the judge. You want to talk about tightness. And the father knows what he's going to say each time. Son, son, what do I do with this sin? And he always says, charge it to my account. You have to believe what the Bible says. That it's annihilated. That it's obliterated. If you bring it up to God, he will say what my son said. I don't know what you're talking about. Are there ramifications? That goes without saying. You're a mature audience, yes. But nevertheless, they are obliterated. They are annihilated. And the Bible says they are violently hurled away as far as the east is from the west. You must believe this. You must. You have to. If you don't believe this, you will not have an anointed power to teach this to other people. This is what people are looking for. They are dying in their sins. And more importantly, they are being destroyed by their guilt. And they want to know that somebody a lot bigger than themselves will forgive them. When that happens and you are truly forgiven, you absolutely fall head over heels in love with this God. And all you want to do is tell other people about His amazing grace. So, Father, for those who are standing here, do what you do, Father. You told me to have them stand. This is not my idea. It's your idea. Your idea. So do what you do, Father. Cleanse and purify our hearts with your holy love. And, Father, teach us that your forgiveness is legitimate and forever. We love you. In Yeshua's name. You may sit. This is the conclusion. Let's go to Matthew 21. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Who is this, they asked. And the crowd said, this is Yeshua the prophet. Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great Kohen Hagadol, the only time that's used, not a high priest, a great high priest. Matthew 27.11. Meanwhile, Yeshua was brought before the governor, and the governor put this question to him. Are you the king of the Jews? Yeshua said, you bet I am. That's what that means. The words are yours. That's a fancy way of saying, you bet I am. And then he goes on. He says, who, who told you this? Did my father reveal it to you? Or, or somebody tell you, Pontius? Because I don't think you have a clue. I don't think you have a clue. Praise and worship team, come on up. He was a prophet. He was a priest. And he was a king. But he was no ordinary prophet, priest, or king. Look at John 19. Then Pilate handed Yeshua over to them to have him put to death on the stake so they took charge of Yeshua carrying the stake himself he went out to a place called Golgotha there they nailed him to the stake along with two others one on either side with Yeshua in the middle Pilate also had a notice written and posted back in the first century Jews weren't able to crucify only the Roman government was they couldn't if they wanted to okay check uh, Acts 4 You'll find out a lot. 431. You'll find out a lot. For those who think the Jews killed them. Doesn't say that in Acts 431, but ah, who cares what Acts says. The point is, you didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. The Gentiles killed him. He laid down his life. Give the credit what credit's due.
But back in the first century, the Romans would always put the crime on a wooden plaque above the stake. People have argued this for years. But most of the proof says it's a stake, not a cross. Who cares? I don't care if it's a cross, a stake, or a star of David. I care who is nailed to it. I don't sing about a rugged cross. I sing about a great God. A great God. A great God. This is over the top. And I got a revelation for you next week that's going to knock you out of your chair. <laughs> right from Genesis 1. Now, that's what they wrote on it. I think the plaque would have, personally, I think the plaque would have to be big. But even if it fit, let me show you what it would say. Yeshua HaNazaret. Why would it say this? Because it's going to be in Hebrew, guys. It's not going to be in Spanish. They're in Jerusalem. Now, why is that important, guys? That's my license plate. Yud Hey Vav Hey. Yeshua HaNazaret Vamelech HaYehudim. Jesus from Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Notice, if it was the king of Israel, it would have said Vamelech Yisrael, and then we wouldn't have Yud Hey Vav Hey. So God was very careful on what he put on that plaque. Do you remember Exodus 3.14 when Moses meets God in the burning bush? And he says, who shall I say? Sending me. And he says, I am that I am. Yud, hey, vav, hey. Look at the announcement that God was making to the universe. Make no mistake, guys. Yeshua is Messiah. Last but not least, look, exclamation point. He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the land will mourn him. Yes. Amen. And the A and the Z, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Tav, whatever language you like, says Adonai, God of heaven's army, the one who is, who was, and who is coming. Yeshua was the prophet testifying to the truth. Yeshua is our great high priest making intercession for us right now. And Yeshua is coming back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Let's stand together and sing a song. Hallelujah. Grab a hand of somebody. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, the Sah Shalom. Shalom. Shabbat shalom. I love you.